You're listening to the Bramboos Podcast with Vincenzo Landino. Ooh, it's a beautiful Saturday morning. For those of you listening to the Brand Boost Podcast, you are in for a treat today. It's not me doing the interviewing, but it is the lovely, savvy, sexy, social Miss Amy Schmidauer. She talks to Mr. Jay Bear about his new book, Hug Your Haters, How to Embrace Complaints and Keep Your Customers. Jay is one of, if not the leading voice in this arena. Uh, in, in this book, he talks about how the haters are not your problem. Ignoring them is. And if it feels like there's more complaints than ever before, and that you're spending more time and money dealing with negativity and backlash, that's because you're right. But the rise of customer complaints is actually an enormous opportunity And Jay goes on to show research, proprietary research into why and where your customers complain. But you know what? I don't want to keep taking away from this amazing interview and I'm going to let Amy take it away. Enjoy hugging your haters with Mr. Jay Bear. Okay. Really, really excited today because I have a really good friend of mine and somebody that I'm sure you know of, but we're going to talk about a very, very special arrival of his latest book. He is, according to his Twitter bio, the most retweeted person in the world amongst digital marketers. That is a really, really cool little line there. So they tell me. Author, speaker, podcaster, investor, and president of Convince and Convert, Mr. Jay Bear. How are you? Hello, Amy. Hello, Blab friends. It's fantastic to be here. So good to have you. And uh, especially because I am very excited to talk about your newest book, Hug Your Haters. New book. I just got it yesterday in the mail. It actually exists. <gasps> I saw this. that. Oh, that is a good looking it's book. Got the new, it's got the new ink smell, man. It's, <laughs> yeah. I can't. This Perfect. Is like, I assume this is what giving birth is like. Uh, my, wife, <laughs> my wife's like, no, not at all. You're such a big... Listen, honey, you have no uh, idea what you're talking about. Long, also, you've process. written a book before. Come on. That's true. I've written four books before, but <laughs> okay. it's, still nice to, it's still nice to get it in your hands. <laughs> every time it's like, oh, another baby. How no, you know what it is? Every time you're like, there's no friggin' way I'm going to write another book because it's way too hard. And then it's like you get back from war. You're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, oh, sure. You do it again. You're like, what was I thinking? Yeah. You know, I feel that way, but I have not written a book yet. I'm on my first one. So I know, it's which is definitely- crazy. Like, where is the book? Like whatever you need, I will help you. I will, I will do whatever oh, you need. You. I want, I want to read that book. I want to market that book. I want to sell that book. Everybody needs to know what you know in book form. And I will do whatever you want me to do, uh, to make that happen because well, gotta, I think we should just it. end it there, folks. I have a book to write. So <laughs> we're, recording, we're recording this, right? So no, you know, what's funny. And I'll just say this because it, it came up. I, I've, I started, you know, full speed ahead in December and I got 10,000 words in, but there was just something about it. And, and I would love to hear your experience with this and how your process is a little bit, because for me, um, you know me very well. I make a lot of video content. Obviously, this is a podcast and a blab all at the same time. Um, multimedia is my jam. So for me, I feel like I sit down to write not necessarily in my usual 
state. And yeah. I don't know that the content is coming through the way that it should. I know that I have the value to present in the first place, but how I'm delivering it is really important because I feel like obviously, you know, this, your personality is a big piece of that. So um, after some talking to people, I think I need to look more at some like dictation and what does that process looks look like to make sure that I, cause I can edit the video to what I want it to be. I just don't know. I sit down and I get very philosophical, like, Oh, yeah. I know all yeah. the things. And then I just don't know that I'm in the same mindset that I should be. Well, it's, it's very, it's very common, Amy, that, that people, uh, write differently in a different tone, in a different style than they actually speak. It's actually quite common. I, I have a weird, um, scenario in that I don't like when I, if you read a book, it sounds like I'm talking to you and, yeah. and I, that's not intentional. It's just, it's just a gift, I guess. So uh, I completely agree. And and I, one thing I do do, and I've done it on every single book that most people don't do, and I think it would really help you, is I write books based on speeches. So what most people do is they I write a book. I definitely want to talk about a, this too, because I love this about you. they turn it into a speech, right? They write a book, turn it into a speech. What I do right. is I write a speech and turn it into a book. And so right. that's why if you do it that way, then the book itself has kind of a beginning and a middle and an end, the same way a speech does. And most books don't. They're just sort of like a collection of information between pages, especially in the business right. category. It's kind of like, well, that's random. Um, and, and so I think that the key is to say, all right, what what is the story that you're trying to tell? Uh, and maybe, I mean, you're so good at courses too. Like I almost feel like a book from you should be a book, but with tons of video content associated with it. Right. So every three pages is now watch the video where we go in depth. Right. It's almost like, it's almost like a course with, with a book on the side yeah. um, as opposed yeah. to a traditional book. Does that make sense? And I, and I, yes, it does. It makes a lot of sense. And I've been trying to figure out, you know, where is the balance between the book content and like how you take somebody offline anyway. I mean, whether or not it's like to sell something or not, like literally just complimenting the content makes a lot of sense to me. But I do like talking about this process for you because I am very inspired by it. This idea of coming up with the keynote first. It's sort of like that opportunity. Um, you know, we talk about in the, in the pre-launch, right? Like you have to prove concept before you're going to to spend, you know, you maybe the actual time and resources that it's going to take to get something done. I feel like that's kind of what you do essentially by being a paid professional speaker and going and presenting the content on stage, because you know that you're going to create it in a way that makes sense for the stage. It's like how you end up getting the feedback from the actual keynote that turns it into this is a book. And that's why I was so excited about Hug Your Haters because I've seen the keynote. I saw it at Social Media Marketing World. It was fantastic. And I thought, Oh my gosh, of course this is going to be a book. This makes so much sense. I know I think you were already planning on it being a book at that point in time, but I, I um, that process is very interesting to me, especially as a speaker and an up and coming professional speaker as well, that yeah. the, that yeah. these things line up. Well, and and certainly it's a different discipline, right? I mean, how you do it in a book versus how you do it on stage is different, but you know, like the third time that you give a speech, like, you know, whether or not it has enough resonance with the audience and enough legs to turn it into a book. So what I, what I do typically is I say, look, the speech is the book. And then in the book, all I do is I just add more examples. So mm. in a speech, you can have, you know, you should have three examples, right? And more than right. that, you start weighing people down. In a book, you know, might you might have 30 examples, right? So you're just going to say the same thing in different ways. Then obviously, you add some stuff on the margin, some some backstory, some historical perspectives, some future casting, things like that. But um, but but really, the, the core of it is is the same. Uh, and in fact, when I did utility, uh, when I did the utility book, three years ago now, uh, I actually, the way I wrote that book is I recorded 
myself doing a keynote, transcribed the keynote and actually used some of the actual word for word text from the speech to actually make the book. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's all the things. That was like all the things for me. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can totally see that to be the case. And I even find myself wanting to go back after I feel like I've done a really good podcast interview and say like, okay, 17 new pieces of content came up in that one hour conversation that maybe I, I have not talked through before and somebody asked me the right questions. So I do think that there's something to that, um, you know, going back and, and looking at where you are at your best and saying like, what, what came out of this that is something that you can, you can kind of go with and especially the idea of transcribing something and then seeing if there's something there. Another thing yeah. specifically just to continue for a second on the public speaking thing that I have to work on is the the feeling, like you said, you know, you're not going to have 17 different topics you're gonna, or examples. You're going to have three. And something that I have bogged myself down with as a speaker is I want to get up there and give you as much value as physically Everything possible. You know. I am going to be... I'm going to be your professor. And, um, and that is really not effective uh, as not. a public speaker. So I, well, I almost it, feel like the book gives you permission to pull back a little on. It does. Keynote. It does. Because, because, well, and, and it's also, let me say this two ways. One, that is true 100% of the time. Uh, mm -hmm. I had that exact same situation for uh, a long time, for many years, where as a, as a speaker, especially somebody that is a content speaker, as it's called in the business, where you're actually you know, delivering information, not doing motivation or, or inspirational stuff, um, the tendency is, okay, I've got 60 minutes. Let me tell you everything I know in those 60 minutes. And the more things I can tell you, the more value I'm, I'm providing. The problem is no one can keep up with you and no one can understand right. those, those things. They're like, after seven minutes, they're like, bro, I am so fire hosed, I can't deal. But right. it's really, really hard. It's really hard to say, look, if I give you less, you actually take away more because you feel like you're cheating the audience. And Scott Stratton, who I know you know, is the one who really taught me that. He said, look, um, yeah, they want to learn, but they also have to remember it and be entertained. And the only way you mm. can do that is to give yourself enough air. Now, there's a little bit of a difference between doing keynotes and breakouts in that regard, because in a breakout session, people do want more content. But even in that, I still find that most people in digital marketing, quote unquote, or even marketing or business tend mm -hmm. to put too much content in their presentations. I certainly did it for probably five years until I realized like everything I take away makes the speech better. And that's not only true about, about within your 60 minute window, it's also true about the number of things you talk about. I read a thing actually this morning, uh, very, very early because my new puppy, uh, was doing what puppies do and pooping all over the house at like three 30. So, Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> so I used that opportunity to get a jump on email and I found a post from my friend, Scott McCain, who's a legendary public speaker and one of my mentors and just an amazingly generous guy. And he wrote a post uh, today on his blog. Uh, and he said, uh, it was like 10 things that professional speakers do that you probably don't. And, and one thing, I think it was number nine, was professional speakers have very few topics. Amateur speakers have lots of topics. And he is exactly right. right. This idea that you can talk about anything means that you don't actually have a shtick. And, right. and as an amateur speaker, where I used to be, you think, well, I, I, I can, I don't want to do the same speech over and over. That means I don't actually know anything. It's the exact opposite. You know, where you get good is basically giving versions of the same speech customized to the audience again and again and again and again, until it is unbelievably good. Uh, that's right. the difference. Like the best speakers in the world 
which I am by no means even in the same conversation, the best speakers in the world give almost the exact same speech every time, but it's so good. And they're so talented. You would never know it. Right. Right. You got to go, you got to go deep and you have to really just own that one piece. It's so funny. I mean, I think, I think a lot of us, no matter what the actual scope is, it could be speaking, it could be consulting, it could be anything. We have a tendency to do custom work probably more often than we really should be because if we truly are good at the one thing or maybe the few things that make us special, then we're going to stay really close to that and not waver from it because otherwise it's just like a well, lot people of are handed you, it's hard though when people are i mean when people are handing you cash you're like yeah i'll do it right and so sound you're like effects. yeah i'll do that I too yeah it's like of- yeah this is, this is from uh, our joel com you know joel comes god love him so, yeah uh, he's like yeah uh you know if you ask me to do something and you say yes especially when you're starting out and this is where i always talk to entrepreneurs a lot i'm like look Having the guts to say no is the most important factor in getting a business started. Because if you say yes too often, then you you never achieve mastery at anything. Uh, And it's really hard to do that when you're trying to pay rent and buy food. But but it is a very important skill to have that kind of discipline. Absolutely. I love it. I could talk to you about this all day. I feel like I probably should have thought about that before we started because I really want to talk about Hug Your Haters. I've been reading the book and thank oh, you so okay. much for the advance. Hug your haters for me. Whatever you want. I know, but but it's such an important topic. And honestly, you know, I was doing a little bit of soul searching reading the book. Uh, first, like I said, I've, I saw the keynote, which also, the keynote's so fun because you know you're you're playing like uh, people reading reviews, and it's just like I I was I remember sitting next to John Lee Dumas in this keynote, and we were just laughing uncontrollably. Ah, thank you. Uh, well, it's so it much was, better was, than when yeah. you saw it. Actually, it's so much better now than than I've given it. You know, you know what? Times it's really- how, how, were you working with Michael Port on um, yeah. on fine tuning this speech yeah. a little bit? Because I'm That's going right. to her yeah, Michael Port speaking. And Amy. I think I heard oh, that. are you? Fantastic. So Michael and Amy mm-hmm. have been really great uh, and have really helped um, sand sand down some rough edges on my on my style. And they helped cool. me a lot on the Hug Your Haters keynote. In fact, uh, if you ever get a chance to see the new version, instead of me reading reviews and reading responses, it's all audio. So it's all audio drop-ins. Uh, and most of that audio is actually Michael doing different voices, which is pretty great. Oh, that's... <laughs> he's so multi-talented, that guy. Um, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And that was one thing that I heard that I thought, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Especially when, you know, I saw your keynote and of course I was very impressed by it, but you still worked on it and you're always trying to make it better, especially when every it day. is going to be a big, like, literally every uh, yeah, day. big, big, uh, here we are on the speaking thing again. Anyway. Okay. That's very cool. But I, like I said, the, the hug your haters concept, I still think even in 2016 is, a little, uh, it's it, it's hard for business, and I guess just to dive yeah, straight into really it, hard. we're really talking about um, what I like that you say in the book. I guess I, sh- I should start there is that if somebody has gone basically gone out of their way to let you know you screwed up or they're not quite like mm, not really game with this, like what are you doing, and just letting you know their opinion, it means they care that much, and I think yeah. that that's actually kind of hard for businesses to wrap their mind around because we feel like we care a lot, right? I put my blood, sweat and tears and my daily, every minute of this day, I'm thinking about this business and I'm doing everything. I'm trying to do it right. And I'm trying to get better all the time. And then when you have that moment of pullback on someone that's like, "Mm, that sucked or like, I want a refund or whatever the case may be. It's sort of like this really, that's, it's just a tough thing 
to deal with. So I guess yeah. I, I kind of want to hear a little business. bit more on it's this. It's really hard. It's really, really hard for small business and entrepreneurs because at some level, when people complain, they're telling you that your baby's ugly. Uh, and that right. is hard, right? You're just like, what? The what? Like, you don't know how hard I worked at this. But, you know, people take it personally, obviously, especially when it's a small business, mm-hmm. but it's not personal. It's not, right. it's usually not personal, right? It's about, it's about their perception of your failure to deliver what they expected. Uh, and it's, it's easy to get frustrated by that. In fact, one of the things we, we have in the book is some interviews with some psychologists who actually talk about the physiology of that and how you actually like your brain chemistry changes when somebody criticizes you. And it's really hard to kind of keep your cool. One of my favorite parts of the book is there's a section uh, in there where I kind of go through the steps to take uh, when people complain about you online, social media, review sites, et cetera. And one of my favorite uh, commandments is is that you only reply twice, that you never, ever reply more than twice to anybody in a scenario. So if somebody says, I hate you, you say, I'm sorry. And if they say, no, I really hate you, you say, hey, I am sorry. We should talk about this, maybe email or phone. And when they come back a third time, you should walk away. Like like the intention right. is to try and convince to convince everybody that you're right and they're wrong um, and, and to just go back and forth, back and forth. And nothing productive ever becomes of that, right? It, it wastes your time. It makes you feel bad. Uh, you know, all you've got to do is, is, is address every complaint. Uh, make sure that everybody who's looking on from the sidelines realizes your values and that you do care enough to respond. Uh, and then, and then you can walk away. Like, obviously you want to try and make everybody happy, but it's more important in modern customer service. There's actually why I wrote this book because customer service is changing right now as we're sitting here. It's more important to realize that it's a spectator sport. It's all the people who are looking on. That's really your audience. You're not talking to that one person. You're talking to everybody. And it's so frigging bizarre, Amy, that, that companies answer every phone call and answer every email, all the customer service things that are in private, but they by no means mm-hmm. answer every tweet, every Facebook post, every review, or every discussion board post, which are the things that are in public. Quite literally, companies would be better off only answering every third phone call and answering every tweet. But of course, nobody actually does that. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's a really, that's a really good point. I think, I think it kind of ends up balancing, right? Because we live in such an amazing time where you can start a business from your computer. So that that's part of it. But any, any size business, there's going to be somebody that started it, that this is their baby. And at, we all have a little bit of imposter syndrome. So it's almost like this thing that might be happening in public and that we really need to address because it's sort of like, tapping on that imposter syndrome a little bit like oh i've been found out no way i i really did my best work on this like if you really really hate it okay then let's figure this out because what's the worst thing that can happen right the product didn't work out you have to give them their money back in reality is that such a bad yeah, thing not, is that yeah, it, the it, that's the, the end of it like the end like the, but that ends the entire conflict so that's what's really interesting yeah. and then if it if you decide to completely get away from that and you just ignore them, it turns into something way worse than what that could have been if that was your worst case scenario in the first place. Dave Kirpin has a great quote in the book. I interviewed him uh, because he's so good at at small business customer service stuff and uh, with his work at Likeable. And he said, you know, a lack of response is a response, right? It's a response Mm -hmm. that says, we don't care enough about you to even answer and and that is so true, right? It is, and now, so an important point is that the book is based on tons of research, right? So this isn't just like, hey, here's what I think you should do, and I'm a thought leader, and right. trust me, there's lots of books uh, uh, like that. And in fact, 
just about every customer service book is like that. But this book isn't like that because I conducted a massive research project with Edison and spent a ridiculous amount of money uh, on that project. And, and so we actually have a ton of math in terms of what happens when you answer customers versus not answering customers. And if you answer just one, just one customer complaint in social media, review sites, et cetera, Yelp, TripAdvisor, it can increase customer advocacy by up to 25%. And so you think about what the financial impact of that is on your business at scale. It's enormous. It's enormous. But but mm -hmm. today, most businesses are still really scared of, of getting involved with customers online. They're getting better but they're not catching up fast enough. And right now, even since I finished writing the book, you've seen big moves to Facebook Messenger, to WhatsApp, to WeChat in Asia. Um, it's going to get way more complicated before it gets easier. What I also thought was interesting was uh, particularly on this research piece about um, age demographics uh, in, and, and well, different demographics about how people complain. Mm -hmm. um, because I think that there's definitely, a, I think from what you were saying is uh, definitely younger. We just, we just go online because it's how we communicate. And it's just fundamentally how yeah. we communicate. So we're usually going and not even expecting to be heard. So when I'm sitting on the tarmac and I'm like, American, you suck today. And they tweet me back. I'm like, Oh, now they know. I'm cool. Like, yeah. you don't like, that's it. You know, it's like, Oh my God, they replied. Oh, they, they don't even have to solve initials, it. They don't even have to solve it. They just heard you. They don't have to do it because they can't. What are they going to do? Like the pilot's late. What are we going to do? Like th that's it. Yeah. End of story. But that small thing that like, I just proved I have the power to reach somebody there in a, a couple of minutes, um, depending on the airline. And you definitely talk about some pretty stellar airlines on social media, but it, that's, that's fascinating. And that's what most of us are doing because when we go to the internet to communicate, we're just hoping, you know, I, I said in my video today, I think we all just wake up in the morning hoping to be mentioned on Twitter. And that's all it is. Like we want to, we want to see that we put something out there and that it worked. And what is a huge opportunity for business, Amy, and I think the most important opportunity discovered through the research and in the book is that because so few businesses are addressing customers uh, in social, in, in review sites, et cetera, there's this huge opportunity to do that, to hug those onstage haters, is what I call it in the book, and trigger that, that sort of loyalty effect. Look, if I ask you right now, who's really good at customer service, you could name somebody, everybody watching could name somebody. And the reason you can come up with somebody like that is because it's so rare. I believe that we are going to enter an era where everybody gets good at customer service. When I say to you, who's good at it, you can't come up with an answer because so many companies are good at it. You're like, well, lots of people. That's what I want to happen. Yeah. I want you to not be able to name somebody who's good at it. Uh, we're certainly by no means there yet, um, but I hope that we get there. And you're exactly right about young people. I mean, I, I am fortunate that I have two teenagers at home or unfortunate, depending on how you look at it. And, and, you know, they're not on the phone. They are never, ever, 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 ever on the phone. My son won't talk on the phone if you held him down and taped the phone to his ear. <laughs> and barely, I mean, barely, barely, barely ever do they use email. They basically only use email to check purchase receipts from online purchases. That's mm -hmm. it, right? It's all Snapchat, Twitter, texting, 
IG, that's it, right? All the time. And so I refuse to believe that, you know, there'll be, you know, three years from now or five years from now, they'll be like, oh, I've missed out on the joys of the phone. Now I totally want to use the phone, you know, and now I want to call a call center. No, right? It's all going to be apps and companies are just not prepared for it yet. I mean, they still call it a call center, which tells you all you need to know about the preparedness for social media customer service and beyond. Absolutely. So uh, to that point, I think that, you know, if we were to sort of like wrap this up, the the oddity of you being great at customer service on social or really anywhere is by simply having a policy in place, right? Like, okay, here's what we do. But, but even, but even like, okay, we're going to answer everybody, but not only that, like actually having, okay, in this scenario, we should probably reply in this way or in this way. I think that there ends up being, especially in small business, which I think is a lot of the listenership here, we get a complaint and, and we're just like, pulling from any direction to support why we're right, why they're yeah. wrong and, and why, why they yeah. need to buzz off. And, and, yeah. and, and it's like, okay, if I just simply had my policy written down somewhere, copy and paste it, like, oh, I'm sorry for your concern. Here's our policy on that. Or, or even making it a little bit more custom. We would feel better, I think, to get those, those responses because we'd at least be prepared and know plan. how yeah. we want Absolutely. You've got to be a little careful about the copy and paste. It's one of the things I talk about in the book that, sure. that empathy, empathy is the most important thing. Cause you don't know, you know, look, as we acknowledge this person's going out of their way to use their time to, to tell you what's wrong. Uh, you don't know what their deal is. They could be having the worst day in their life. Uh, it has nothing to do with you. You just got caught in the crossfire. So you've got to be careful about getting too rote and too copy paste because it, it, it robs humanity out of it. Um, and it also, if you do it the same thing over and over, you see this in TripAdvisor sometimes when people have bad hotel experiences, mm. look at the hotel and it's like, we're terribly sorry about your experience. We'll make sure the general manager knows we're terribly sorry about your experience. We'll make sure the general, and that, that does not necessarily <laughs> make you feel that much better about that brand. You're like, well, that was the minimum thing that you could possibly do, but you're exactly right. Having sure. some sort of a structure, having some sort of plan so that when you are confronted with negativity and you will be, you're not like, fire drill, right? You're, you know, you're not like, Oh my God, what do we do? And what do we say? And oh my, and, 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 and the biggest problem that small businesses make is that they try to prove that they're right. And nobody gives a shit whether you're right. The customer right. is right because their right. perception is their reality. People always say, especially in small business, I've had so many people come up to me after speeches and say, well, what if the customer's lying? And I'm like, well, you know what? The customer doesn't think they're lying. The customer thinks they're dead on. It's just a difference of opinion, right? It's just a, it's just a misunderstanding about the facts. You're not right and they're not wrong, right? It doesn't, and, and even if you are, it doesn't matter. Just apologize. It doesn't cost you anything. Right. Oh, okay. Let's leave it at that. Just apologize. Just take care of it. Just reply. It doesn't cost you anything. That's it. And have the policy in place so you at least know uh, where where you're going to go when these things happen. It should be customized, but you have to remember that if you have a policy in place, you're going to feel better about it going forward. And it's not like, oh my gosh, let's not reply to them yet. We need to think about this or let's reply to them right away all upset. Like that's what that's where real problems end up happening is when you yes. just try to save yourself. To, You've got to be fast. You okay. should be fast, but you can't be knee-jerk fast, right? You should right. you should respond quickly because it's important to do that. Lots of data in the book about responding quickly. You should be fast, but you can't mm -hmm. be so fast that that you're reacting emotionally 
um, that you're just like, well, you know what? Right. Da, 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 you know, and that's counterproductive, right? Because number one, you're making that think, person who's it's like- even less happy. And then everybody sees that you're like mm-hmm. unhinged. That's counterproductive. Mm-hmm. The unhinged thing is what I'm worried about, right? Re- replying timely, but also with a, I have a clear next step here. Like there is going yeah. to be a clear next step at the end of this email. It's not like hoping you're going to be done with me now. Bye. It's okay. Here's here. How do we resolve this? What about this? I think that it's, it's that policy, right? Like I am not only timely, I have a plan and I want to make this better for you. What do you want? You tell yes, me precisely. Love it. Okay. So March 1st, March 1st is the official date. Uh, we're taking pre-orders right now at hugyourhaters.com. Uh, I will ship it to you for awesome. free. All of the books include a poster in the book, which looks like this. Uh, it's called It Folds Out and everything. Is that rad? It's called The, the Hatrix. The Hatrix, which is all the, that. Data, all the important data uh, in the book. So you can take, it'll rip out and put on your wall, tell you what to do in certain situations, all that. If you buy seven copies of the book, uh, you actually get, for all your friends, I love hater socks, which are so fantastic. Like, isn't that the best? Oh so. my gosh. Seven is We're my lucky number. The- Hugyourhaters.com. Love that. I'll hook, you up. I'll hook you all up. Get your copy of Hug Your Haters. I highly recommend it. I'm just, I'm going to buy more. I think I wanted, I want to do a giveaway on the channel. So that is uh, what I'm going to do at hugyourhaters.com. Everybody, thank you, Jay. I have to have you back so we can keep going on the public speaking yeah. tangent because. Anytime. Yeah, let's do it. Be fun. Thanks. Bye, Amy. See you guys. Bye. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to BrandBoostCast.com forward slash subscribe.